Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to another week of Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Iowa Right to Life, the largest pro-life organization in Iowa who works to protect life from fertilization to natural death. Go check out their website at iowartl.org. That's iowartl.org. Hey, this is Shane Vanderhart and got Brian Myers back in studio with us. And, of course, Ron Carlson at the board. Yep. Uh, we are so glad you can listen. And, Brian, I, I, you're back this week yep. and next week. I know. I know. But it's okay because I'm also back on my meds. Well, that's good. <laughs> You do seem to be calmer <laughs> than the last time you were in studio. So, no, no, you're not no, going to break anything, right? No, okay. I promise. Okay. I promise. Good no, deal. it's good to be back. Good deal. So, hey, we've got a very special guest. We want to jump right into the topic because it's it's uh, one that we've discussed somewhat um, here on Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and that's the whole Confederate memorial. Um, I, uh, the monuments con- and the statues. Monuments and the, yeah, the, the controversy surrounding that. And on the line, we have Matt Johnson, who's a senior instructor in the Humanities and Social Studies Department at Northwest Missouri uh, State University in Maryville. That's Maryville, right, Matt? Correct. Okay, Missouri. And he's been teaching uh, for more than 20 years. So welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, Matt. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Very welcome. So... Well, let's get started here, Matt. Let's just jump right into this whole monument uh, controversy. Let me give you a quote from Andrew Cuomo. This was from Twitter last week, I think. Quote, Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson will be removed from the C-U-N-Y Hall of Great Americans because New York stands against racism. Unquote. All right. What are your thoughts about that, Matt? Well... Uh, first off, I need to make it very clear that the following are my thoughts and ideas and do not in any way reflect the position of Northwest Missouri State University. <laughs> good. It's good well, to you, get that disclaimer well, you, in. You don't want to get fired? No. You, 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 you might hear that again as we continue on. Now, well, listen, uh, when, you, when you get tenured, though, you can pretty much say whatever you want, right? Uh, that's not quite the way it works. I'm only oh. a, a lowly senior instructor. Okay. But it, 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 to your to your question, you know, my parents came down. We were talking about this the other day, and uh, inevitably, given the nature of our families, we were talking about the controversy. And I, I was more of the opinion that that a monument is a monument, and if it, it, it brings about a furthering of the conversation, I'm all for it. My father, on the other hand, uh, who is the only person I know that is convinced the Confederacy did not lose the war and will, in fact, rise again if the North is not aware of what they're doing, kind of agreed but said, next to each of those monuments, there ought to be a monument to a slave block as well. So this is not a very easy question to look at, mm-hmm. um, but I'll do my best. First off, elections matter, in my estimation. Uh, as the governor of the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo represents the will and the values of the people the, that voted for him in New York. And if that is not the case, they won't vote for him anymore. Right. Second, um, I, I had a hard time believing that Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson were in the Hall of Great Americans at CUNY in the first place. Neither were from New York. And to be kind of direct about it, both of these men 
did take up arms against the United States. Uh, of all the Americans that have lived and died, I'm sure mm-hmm. that there are other examples uh, that could be lauded. But again, in my estimation, this is you know a local decision that was made in New York. Something similar happened in uh, New Orleans as well. Right. But you bring a, a great point up. Uh, how in the world did these guys end up at CUNY in the first place? That is a great question. That is interesting. Yeah. Now, like at West Point, there's there's a building uh, named after Robert E. Lee. I don't know if they've made any any moves to to change that. Um, yeah, it was a barracks that was erected in 1962. Yeah. Uh, so I doubt you're going to see a lot of movement in this regard with respect to the military. No. I'd be real surprised if you see a, a lot considering, of considering, knee-jerk reaction. Especially considering Robert E. Lee was a West Point grad. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So uh, my question to, to you, um, you know, obviously I don't know why, if if these statues were or the, you know, were in in the CUNI um, Hall of Great Americans, whatever that is, I, I don't know why they were placed there. But I do know in a lot of southern towns and and uh, a lot of these town, town squares, some of these statues were erected post-Reconstruction mm-hmm. or during the Civil yeah. Rights era. Um, and I, I think the purpose of why they were placed there is irrelevant to the conversation at hand. Um, and I, I guess, you know, looking back at this, um, I've been a little frustrated by some of my fellow conservatives on the right who seem to be br- overlooking that conversation or that, that point piece of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I would differ. Um, I, I think the, the reason for the monument being erected is quite relevant to the conversation. Okay. Because uh, it, it, it kind of changed. I would agree with you. No, what, I, I, did you say relevant or irrelevant, Shane? No, I, think I, you, I, I think it's important to know under what circumstances that monument went up. Right. And Yeah, uh, that's what he was up. saying, too. I, yeah, I we're, we're in agreement. Yeah, he, he said. Uh, we're violently agreeing. Often. He said yeah. relevant rather than irrelevant. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely it is. And if you track when these monuments went up, there is a definite spike uh, during Jim Crow and also during the Civil Rights era. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that, you know, the Jim Crow era also coincides with the 50th anniversary of the Civil War uh, and the Civil Rights era, 1960s, the 100-year anniversary of the Civil War. So there's also that that might also explain the spike. But That's true. Um, I think there was a message sent with those monuments. Matt? Beyond just the historical significance of the event that they're remembering. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about um, though the I guess the thought that Governor Cuomo had uh, relative to the statues that that there's an inherent connection of, uh, between the statues and racism. So for many, the assumptions are that first the American Civil War was simply about slavery; it wasn't about anything else. And that it, and that I guess there's there's sort of a universal um, application of of the uh, reasons behind the war for both sides. In other words, both sides were supposed to have believed that the the war was only about slavery. Second, that the South was racist and the North was not racist because abolition was a Northern movement, whereas slavery was practiced and defended in the South. So these are the assumptions that we frequently hear. Tell us, tell us what may be right or wrong about those assumptions. Well, this is a very real thing. 
Uh, just this week, my son, who's a freshman in high school, came home and told me that his history teacher taught that the Civil War was all about states' rights. Now, Really? Yes. Wow. Now, now let me tell you something. I, I am reminded every day that I'm an Iowa boy living in Missouri, but, but come on, good gravy. Um, in defense of his teacher, if Hunter is at school as he is at home, his hearing is selective. <laughs> okay? I, I can't so, believe that I, about a teenage boy. <laughs> that said, you know, to the first part of your question, there are many underlying causes of the Civil War. You know, economic differences between the industrial south and the agrarian, I'm sorry, the industrial north and the agrarian south. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the south produced 75% of the world's cotton. Um, the, the Republican Party wanted to put more protective tariffs yep. um, that, that the Democrats opposed in the South. Uh, there's differing interpretations of federalism, you know, state power yep. versus that of the federal government. Uh, one of the things I do when I teach my American historical survey class on the, on the first day is I, I take out a dollar bill or I have to borrow one because I have two expensive children and sometimes don't have one on me. Right. But I you you get out your credit card. That's what you do. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, cha-ching, cha-ching. I, I asked my students to, to reflect on the name of our nation, you know, the, the United States of America. Is that a singular thing, or is that a plurality? And, mm. I, you know, the, my, my students play with this idea, and they say, well, what do you think, Mr. Johnson? My response is yes. It's not one or the other, it is. Right. We are a singular thing, but we are also a plurality. So different interpretations of federalism are also the underlying cause of the Civil War. Uh, disagreements on westward expansion in terms of the issue of slavery. Yep. Are we going to extend slavery, uh, you know, the formation of the Liberty Party, the Free Soil Party, and, of course, the Republican Party are all tied to this issue. Um, and, and all three oppose the spread of slavery into the West. So the future of the nation, uh, at least in the West, was also an underlying cause. Uh, the growth of the abolitionist movement, not only domestically, uh, with the work of William Lloyd Garrison and a, and a small yet very vocal minority, but also internationally, um, uh, you know, by the, the, the cusp of the Civil War, the Dutch, the British, the Portuguese, the French, for crying out loud, it all ended slavery. So it, it, the, the abolitionist movement, both domestically and internationally, also played a, a role. Uh, the election of Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. was an underlying cause. You know, he, from an early age, uh, opposed the exp- extension of slavery, he did so as a Whig. Uh, support of the Wilmot Proviso. Uh, he was a free soiler uh, and later the Republican nominee for the presidency. And, you know, if you look at the, the Republican platform in 1860, it's dominated by the slavery issue. Okay. Um, there's also the, the unsettled issue of the process and possibility of secession. What was there a mechanism for dismantling the Union? If so, what, what are the, the catalysts for that? Um, there's been some interesting stuff done on Madison and his position. I think the, the one that is most often quoted by Madison is, quote, a rightful secession requires the consent of the others, but you also have to include in that, uh, or an abuse of the compact absolving the seceding party from the obligations imposed by it, unquote. So the the issue is those, those absolving elements to it, those abuses. You listen, Caffeinate, that's radio, and on the line we've got uh, Matt Johnson. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Nope. If, if we want to continue this and look at justifications for the conflict, I think it's kind of interesting because you know, anytime we get involved in a, in, a, in a war, we have to justify it. And one of the southern justifications for this conflict, 
one, you know, you had the fire eaters that were calling for secession. Uh, Edmund Edmund Ruffin? Yeah, J.C. Calhoun calling for uh, secession back in the 1830s, uh, reinstatement of the international slave trade, uh, other justifications, Lincoln's election. You know, as soon as it's announced that Lincoln wins, South Carolina secedes from the Union. Why? Well, if you look at those secession documents, it, it, it kind of harkens back to what Madison had said about the, an abuse of the, of the relationship and what exactly that means. It's, it's kind of up to us to determine now, I guess. Right. Well, Matt, we're, run, we're, we're, we're running really short of time. We're down to a little over four minutes. So, Holy cow. So I, I, I want you to, I want you to, uh, you've given us a great picture of just okay. how many causes there were with respect to the war. Yeah. So now what I want you to do is tie that together with my original question, which is essentially, is it appropriate for Cuomo to, to make the sort of inherent connection between the statues of Lee and Jackson and racism? Is that, is that fair? And one thing we haven't talked about is these two individuals um, with regard to, you know, to their character and their, and, and the nature of their thought. But at the end of the day, is it a fair thing to make this inherent connection between the statues and racism? The statue is a statue, okay? Um, it can either be something that adds to the conversation or something that detracts from it. And at the moment, those statues are, are magnets of discord that are, for a variety of reasons, attracting neo-Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um, is it accurate to call or to paint uh, Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson as as Nazis? No, it is not. Um, calling somebody a Nazi is a conversation ender, something that, that ends any kind of discourse and does not add to it. So I personally would avoid those types of simplicities as it, it really kind of is disingenuous to what the Nazis really stood for and certainly what the Confederates, uh, the reason... Mm-hmm why the Confederates did what they did and, and why they fought. And Robert E. Lee actually opposed slavery, correct? Um, you know, yeah, I, I would encourage your, your audience to, to do a search on uh, the letters that he wrote to his wife. Um, he, he wanted to see the Union maintained. He was not a, 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 you know, an advocate of secession. Um, he was approached by the Union, actually, to take a part in its military leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lincoln offered him the entire... Uh... Yeah. The entire army. And a lot of people don't today don't understand that back then more people felt more had usually had more of allegiance to their community, to their state than necessarily. Yeah, we to, have a hard time the, I think we have a federal, hard time to the federal government. Yeah, we have a hard time understanding the identity that these people had with their states. We don't we don't understand that in the same terms. No. I mean when we think about the border war you know, I live in Missouri now, we think about the border war, we think about basketball and football. Uh <laughs> No, not, not that's a right little bit different than, than it was 150 years ago. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Is there is there a logical end to the to the purge of the monuments, Matt? Um, I mean, I understand that that, and you've made it clear that there, in your opinion, there are some justifications for taking these things down. But is there a logical end uh, to this, or do we see this same sort of thing happening down the road to monuments of Washington? And Jefferson, and so on. I, I, I do see that there is a logical end to this, and um, I hate to be too abrupt about this, but the founding fathers 
uh, and the Confederates are a fundamental. There's a fundamental difference. The founders wish to create this nation, right. uh, whereas the Confederates wish to dissolve it. So I would be full throated in my support of maintaining monuments to the founding fathers. But the um, but the the question to um, I think to an awful lot of people is is going to be that's irrelevant. We want to know is how did they uh, how did they feel about the black race? Did they own slaves? That sort of thing. And we're we're running out of time. (laughs) You know, I just had a a perfect explanation of that, which I guess we'll have to wait for another time. Well, hey, thank you, Matt. We'll have to have you back. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. This is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. If you missed any of that interview, check out the podcast up on Saturday, CaffeineThoughts.com. Stay tuned, everybody. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers & Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Caffeine Thoughts Radio is only possible through the generosity of our sponsors. Be sure to check out Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029 and he can help you find the life insurance you need. As well as we're sponsored by Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Contact him at 515-635-5465 or crosswalkcounseling.org. And, of course, both of these folks, uh, if you go to our website, you'll see, um, uh, when you check the podcast, you'll see their their uh, logo in, in the sidebar. You can always click over to their website as well. There you go. So we have, a, a, a re- basically, he's a guy, we he's our go-to guy for sports. Whenever we want to, we have a hankering to talk about sports, which is uh, well. It's, hey, I'm I'm excited. College football season's here, so we got Steve Myers on the line with Cyhawk's thought, Cyhawk thoughts. So he uh, founded Cyhawk Thoughts with Chuck Utek in 2011 to be your one-stop source for information on Iowa and Iowa State athletics. Unfortunately for Steve, he represents the Iowa State for you know side of Cyhawk Thoughts, but we'll we'll forgive him for that. Welcome to Caffeine Thoughts Radio, Steve. Hey, good uh, good to be here. Uh you gotta say though, if uh if, if I'm your go to guy, you guys have set the bar really low. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that about pretty much everything about our show. Yes. 
Hey, I tell you what, though, Shane, this guy, believe it or not, he does know a little bit about Iowa football. He does. does. All right. Well, speaking of such things, let's start off talking about the Hawkeyes. All right, Steve, they've got a number of new uh, coaches this year, correct? They they do have a few. Uh, I think you're going to look at two big names that that people are talking about right now. Uh, Former offensive coordinator Ken O'Keefe is back. Uh, You know, he's had a... uh, lapse there of about five or six years of being an Iowa coach, and now he's back coaching the QBs. And then, of course, Brian Frentz, uh, Kirk's son, uh, taking over as offensive coordinator is probably the, the other big name that you hear about a lot right now. And hmm. how how's that offense going to look under under him? Uh, we'll find out. Well, speaking of that, they got to find a new quarterback this year. Um, who's going to get the start against Wyoming, and what do you know about him? Well, I believe it's at this point, going to come down to maybe two. Uh, that's going to be Nathan Stanley uh, or Tyler Wiegers. Personally, uh, just from the small amount of information or what we saw last year, I would say Stanley wins uh, and gets that starting job. Right, he got a little bit of playing time last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did get he did get some. And the reason I, I went with him is he beat Wiegers last year uh, for the backup position. So. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy for a freshman to do, and he was able to do it. Now he's a sophomore now. Can he put together a good sophomore season? I, I, it's going to be up in the air. We're not going to find out, and you know, I, until I, it's like very last minute. I always had a, kind of a tradition where they've they've started out a you know a quarterback as a sophomore, and they've been with us for a few years. So there's only yeah, been a couple yeah. exceptions to that, but generally speaking, uh, we we seem to have <laughs> start off with young. You know, we've had young uh, quarterbacks before, so it's not unusual. I kind of like that personally because it allows, unless they really suck, I guess. Um, <laughs> so they didn't get him out of there, but but no, but but, but you know he may not be perfect, but I'd rather see see them you know start somebody young and build you know let that person get experience and and grow into that position uh, rather than just start a senior every time you know. Well, I said Stanley would start, so you heard it here first. All right, good deal. All right, Wyoming sh- should be a good game. Now, last year, the Hawks went out and got shocked at home by a very good North Dakota State team. And the last thing that they want to have happen again is that. So how do you see this Wyoming game going? Well, I'll tell you what. If you could switch QBs with Wyoming, you'd probably do that in a heartbeat because the Wyoming QB, Josh Allen, Mm -hmm. he's a stud. Um, He's the real deal. the, the best part about him is, you know, he's going to turn into to one of those inspiring feel-good stories. You know, no no offers from any Division One program right out of high school. Had to go, like, the community college or junior college route and then ended up getting, I believe, one or two offers uh, and from non-BCS programs after that community college stint. And now he's looking at being the number one pick in the draft next year. So It's amazing, isn't it? Wow, it's a it's a it's a great feel good story. Now that being said, they are playing against an FBS team in Iowa, Big Ten, you know, a, a power program. So I think it's going to be close. But if 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 they can get some pressure on Allen and and, and keep him from going for three hundred and some odd yards, then I think uh, the Hawkeyes win this. One. Did um, forgive my ignorance, but did Wyoming drop down to a, the championship uh, um, bracket? They're no longer uh, FBS. I don't believe that's the case. Okay. Hmm. All right. Um, so, so they're, they're still. They're, I think. I think they're still. You know, Mountain West. I believe. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, just curious, 
Where do you think Iowa's defense is going to stand this year? Last year, they uh, they disappointed me. I mean, they you know they they allowed a lot more points than I'm used to seeing as a Hawkeye fan. Um, you think they're going to shore some of that up, especially if you got if you got a great QB like that? I mean, you know how how are the defensive backs going to handle that? Well, that's that's the scary thing. You know, you don't have King Roman back there anymore. Uh, he, he was the the one really, really, really bright spot for you. I think I think their secondary is going to be a concern. Um, they don't. I don't believe they have the leadership they've had the last few years uh, back there. But you know, I think I think they. You know, they're going to have at least the the, the talent to to make up for mistakes. And then you have uh, Josie Jewell back there. Kind of you know helping them along, uh, telling them where to be, and all that type of stuff. So they'll be. They'll, I don't know if they'll they'll be even as good as last year, but I mean, it's you lost you lost just a huge piece with King being out. Right. All right. We got two more questions about the Hawks, and then we'll move to the Clones, Steve. First of all, with the Hawks, who are going to be their big playmakers this year? Any new faces there? And secondly, what's their record going to be in the in the Big Ten by the end of the season? Well, I think it's without saying Akram Wadley, Matt Vandenberg, those are going to be their go-to guys for yeah. playmakers. Uh, that's just the way it is. Maybe perhaps the, the Nevada transfer, uh, I believe his name is James Butler, uh, running back. If it's like last year where they have kind of the two running back set, then you might be able to see him um, showcase some of his skills. And so you might have a big playmaker out of him. As far as uh, the Hawkeyes, you know, don't don't kill me, Shane. But I have them five and four in conference, seven and five overall. I think this is a rebuilding year, so I would not be surprised to see that. Well, seven and five isn't awful. Uh, no, that's no, going to get I you bowling, bowling too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, that's kind of if they end that, if they end the season like that, I'm I'm going to be happy with this rebuilding year. All right, the clones were in pretty much every game they played last year, but frequently they could not get it done at the end. What can we expect from them this year, Steve? I think a lot of the same, but ouch. Maybe with more. Maybe with ouch. More, <laughs> more flair. <maybe> with more, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you have any more flair, but uh, maybe with more of an ability to close the game. I think our offense is going to be a bit better. I'm not quite sure about our defense, but if we can put up seven more points a game, then we win three of those. So I'm going to say it's going to be a lot of the same, but I think we close some of those out. Okay. You mentioned defense. I'm hearing Joel Lanning is going to be starting at middle linebacker. Is that the case? It's crazy, but true. And, and, wow. and uh, he's a he's a big boy. He's an athletic big boy. And uh, uh, but he hasn't tackled anybody since high school, has he? I think it was eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> best of success for Joel. You know. He, he he had to match up against a lot of linebackers on the other side of the ball. He knows what they did to to, to cause disruption, so at least he has that. You know, he, he knows right. what he needs to do to cause disruption. All right, well let's let's move on to the to the cyclone offense. Right now, the cyclone offense looks actually pretty darn scary. They've got a lot of weapons. Tell us about those. Well, you gotta start out with Alan Lazard. He's our uh, preseason All-American wide receiver, preseason All-Big 12, uh, looking to, to break most of the wide receiver records in school history. Uh, you start out with him, and then you're like, that's a, an imposing receiver. Well, he's our, he's our second tallest receiver um, outside of Akeem Butler, 
who is just as physically impressive as Alan Lazard, it seems like, if not even more. Um, you got to watch out for him this year. Uh, Chase Allen, a tight end that we have this year, uh, you know, he turned down a lot of great programs for Iowa State. We didn't see him last year because he got hit by a car. So he can play football but not look at crosswalks too well. Uh, <laughs> so he yeah, was literally hit by a car. Yeah. Literally. Okay. Literally, yeah. And then, of course, you have Mike Warren and David Montgomery back there uh, behind Park, uh, you know, who could both put up potentially 1,000 yards if, if, if our offensive line could do anything. Well, you know, you talk a little bit about Park, too, because now we've got an experienced quarterback with a just an absolute gun for an arm. So I'm... Go ahead. He does have a cannon. He has a cannon. I, I believe uh, I can't remember where I saw it. I don't know if it was uh, like Deadspin or Sports Illustrated, but they did. Uh, uh, in terms of arm strength, he was ranked the number one quarterback in the Big Twelve. So that doesn't surprise me any. So Iowa State's going to be playing Northern Iowa their first game. They've not always had the best of luck against you and I. Uh, do you think this year's going to be any different? I think it will. I think it will. Uh, I, Last year was Campbell's first game, and you know you kind of you kind of feel bad because he ran into a good FCS team, and you know they didn't have a lot of time to put in everything that they wanted to. You saw how much better they got as the year went on. Mm-hmm, right. uh, what all, what also killed them last year, if you remember, they they lost the turnover battles three to zero. So you, you can't expect to win a game. Nope. Right. You know, when that happens, so I think you're going to see Iowa State kind of kind of. Handle handle themselves and, and handle you and I pretty fairly easy. Okay, now now the the question of the day. I don't know if I'm, I'm stealing Brian's thunder. No, it's, here. it's here. Oh, it's here. Iowa Iowa State on on September 9th. at what, Ames. What, what, at Ames. What's your prediction? I think it's about time that the series goes back to favoring the Cyclones. Boo! Wrong answer. <laughs> so, you know what? I we can always I've edit that. You know. <laughs> I've been, I've been honest with you the last three or four years, and I'm usually wrong. Um, so what's the What's the spread, up. Steve? What's the spread? I have. I, it's last time I looked wasn't about two and a half or three or something like that for okay. the Hawks. And you're I expecting believe. a close game. I'm expecting 31-27 Cyclones because of our offense. Okay, okay. I, you could be right this year because uh, it is a rebuilding year for the Hawkeyes. Well, you know, Steve made a great point. If if the Clones can bolster up their offensive line a bit. Their offense is absolutely going to smoke people because their receiving core is perhaps the best the Iowa State has ever had. That's true. And they've got Mike Warren and this Montgomery kid this, in the backfield. And this is probably the weakest it, Iowa secondary has been in a, a long while. So if you give Park a little time, yeah, you know he's going to hit those receivers, uh, and you know you you can't key on that because they'll hand it off to Warren or Montgomery for big yardage. I mean, it, if it's going to depend on the line, I think Steve's right about yeah. that. I, you know, this it, it could be similar to the old Senequalis, Lane Danielson, Jack Whipper days, where you just see a quarterback gunslinging back there. I think that that very well could be what you see. And then you've got a couple of good running backs that can both catch out of the backfield too. But Seneca was a heck of a lot more mobile than than Park is. But I said I didn't say he's yeah, running. I, I said I gunslinging. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right. What's the record for in the Big Twelve look like at the end of the season, in your opinion? I'm going to flip flop here. I'm going to say Iowa State's four and five in conference, and then seven and five overall as well. Okay. Um, so the Cyclones will travel for the holidays. Uh, the two teams of Iowa end up with the same record. 
Hmm. So, so you're you're thinking they're going to sweep all their non-conference? That's what I'm hoping for. Okay. All right. Which, <laughs> well, at, you know, okay, you got Northern Iowa. Depending on how, I don't know what Northern Iowa looks like this year, and you're thinking Iowa. Well, here, here, Akron Zips, I guess. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, for Coach Campbell, if they go seven and five and go to go to a bowl in his second year. This is monumental. Well, they're going to be like tearing the you know the goalposts mm-hmm. down in Iowa State, aren't they? I mean, it would happens. be a big deal, wouldn't it, Steve? It, yeah, yeah, for sure. As, as Iowa we, fans, we kind of go, "Oh, okay, another bowl game." Yeah, <laughs> but it, I know it, for it, you guys, it's like you know winning the you know NCAA Vanderhart, championship. Van, you know, Vanderhart, uh, you and me are going to talk after this segment, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe stop talking. Yeah. Hey, this is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Missed any of that interview? Be sure to check out the podcast at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Steve, we'll be back in your, a moment. Thanks, give us Steve. your Facebook page, Steve. We got time. Great. Thank you. See you, buddy. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Riswold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Every human being has God-given dignity. That's what we believe at American Principles Project. We work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, economic progress for working Americans, and a return to the constitutional principles that make America great. Want to help us out? Visit our website today and sign up for email updates, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is sponsored in part by American Principles Project, a conservative political think tank in Washington, D.C., American Principles Project believes that human dignity should be at the heart of public policy. They work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, authentic economic progress for working Americans, and a return to constitutional principles such as federalism. Want to help American Principles Project? Visit their website today, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciples, P-L-E-S, Project.org. Sign up for email updates and a small donation their way. Help them out. They're a great group. And full disclosure, I work, I've worked with them since 2010. All right. Now it's time for our news segment, otherwise affectionately known as News, news You Can, can use. use. 
And first of all, I want to mention that it was a heavy news week, and I, I, I had a hard time paring it down to just a, a handful of, of stories for this segment. And one of the things that I don't have here is the the hurricane. Was it Hurricane Harvey? Yeah. It's bearing down on uh, Houston. Yeah, that's supposed to be hitting today, I think. And, yes, um, it is. You know, so I don't have anything in the in the news about the hurricane. But so when you um, when you when you hear this broadcast, when you hear the show, the uh, hurricanes probably already made landfall. So it, it's they're not concerned so much about the wind, but they are the it, rain. As gonna say, it's, it's going to be a water event. Category two, right? Uh, it's I think three now, three now? isn't it? Okay, I, or going to be a three? All don't right. quote me on that. I haven't really followed it all. It kind of sprung up on me. Last I think time. maybe two by the time it hits uh, landfall. Okay. So anyway, keep that in your thoughts and prayers. Okay, first up, this is from the Washington Post. President Trump outlined a revised vision for the U.S. war in Afghanistan on Monday, pledging to end a strategy of nation-building and instead institute a policy aimed more squarely at addressing the terrorist threat that emanates from the region. I share the American people's frustration, he said. I also share their frustration over a foreign policy that spent too much time energy, money, and most importantly, lives trying to rebuild countries in our own image instead of pursuing our security interests above all other considerations. Now, apparently Trump didn't uh, offer any specifics with regard to to what he has in mind, but I think it's fair to say that that our commitment to Afghanistan is solid here. Yeah, and it sounds like I've heard initial 4,000 troops you know, mm-hmm. uptick. I think um, 3,900 and some, uh, according to the Pentagon. Right. But. So I, I'm waiting and seeing. I, I, I want to wait and see what this looks like as far as not nation building and just focusing on terrorists. I think it's refreshing. Um, there were a lot of things in his speech that I agreed with, uh, especially uh, his his kind of his tough, tough talk towards Pakistan, whether it'll be effective or mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, if, if they can, if they can do a carrot stick approach with Pakistan and and get them to tighten up, because that they that has been a large part of the problem. But at the end of the day, it sounds to me like uh, we're not going anywhere anytime soon, right? With, so, with regard to that, and I've, you know, I've mixed feelings about that too, because and again, we've been there sixteen years. Next up, this is from Reuters. Canada fears a huge surge in asylum seekers crossing the border from the United States and putting political pressure. On Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, ahead of a 2019 election, sources familiar with the matter said on Wednesday, the number of migrants illegally entering Canada more than tripled in July and August, hitting nearly 7,000. Are these Democrats? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> a bunch of people from Hollywood. Yeah. Haitians who face looming deportation from the United States when their temporary protected status expires in January 2018 accounted for much of the inflow. And there's also some people apparently from from El Salvador and Nicaragua and Honduras. But anyway, it's kind of interesting what happens when the problem is at your back door or your front door, whatever the case may be. Mm. Whenever it shows up on your doorstep, then, oh, well, gee, I wonder what we're going to do. It's easy to condemn some other nation when they've got the problem. Right. But when they're going to end up in your country, well, let's well, think about this. With Trudeau, bit. too, I just almost want to say, shut up until you grow some facial hair, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up. My this goodness. is from Caffeinated Thoughts. We know those guys. Hmm. Hmm. I'll this, bet this Mr. Vanderhart wrote this. I did. 
Paula White, a prosperity gospel televangelist and spiritual advisor to President Donald Trump, on Tuesday compared President Trump to Queen Esther. So he's gay? Okay. You did not say that, Ron. I did. I you remember that God when Ron used... Ch- when Ron chooses to chime in, he really All right, jumps in. Let's <laughs> skip over this. You may remember that God used Esther to deliver the Jews from those plotting to have the Persian king decimate God's chosen people. So how exactly is President Donald Trump like Esther? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> According to White, who appeared on the Jim Baker show, it was that they were both unlikely, both unlikely to be selected for their roles and called to carry out God's plan, religious news service reported. They say about our president, well, he is not presidential. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness, White said. <laughs> and I mean that with all due respect, because in other words, he's not a polished politician. In other words, he is authentically, whether people like it or not, has been raised up by God. So if you act oh presidentially, you haven't been raised up by God? Yeah, when I actually wrote the story, I didn't focus on that so much. Yeah. But that, that that's something that uh, popped in my head when you just read that. So Look, the minute this crackpot compared Trump to Queen Esther. Right. I, I, I mean, right then, it's just like, you know, it's just, whoop, whoop, whoop. So, warning Will Robinson, danger, <laughs> danger. Yeah. His uh, arms going up and down. Danger, Will. I've I've had to respond, uh, you know, quite a bit to to different evangelical evangelicals' defenses of of Trump. Um, you know, I yeah, just it, it's been it's been kind of curious. Next up from Christianity Today, a venerable Christian ministry based in Fort Lauderdale recently saw its name listed on a CNN map of all the active hate groups where you live. That's a quote there. As well as in local news reports as the number one hate group in Florida. <laughs> you believe that? This is D. James Kennedy yeah, Ministries. Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. Well, that's beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, in media coverage after Charlottesville, the Christian broadcaster was mapped along, uh, alongside about 60 hate groups in the Sunshine State, using designations from whom? The Southern Poverty Law Center. Yippee! Yeah. These guys are hate group deluxe. Did you just That's did you hear are. that Apple's uh, Apple making donated it easier? to them? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They donated uh, two million, I think. Yeah. To them, or maybe it was a million. Uh, yeah. Crazy so I, I actually tweeted at them this morning and um, said, "Is this is this the corporate you know citizenship that Iowans now have to look forward to?" <laughs> Ooh. Wonder well, how, the nice thing about it, these guys down in Florida will be joining the Amish out over in there. Yeah, in I mean, I, I understand Southern Poverty Law Center thinks we're hateful because we disagree with same-sex marriage, but the lumpus alongside mm-hmm. of neo-Nazis yeah. and KKK, even some liberals are saying that's a that's too that's going too far. And and these news this these is disagreement. Media, this is not hate. These mis, these media report. It's like. Keep actually practice some real journalism and stop just using talking points as yeah. your article. All right, there you go. We, let's try to get this last one in. This is from Fox News. This is written by Todd Starnes, a Washington State high school football coach who was punished for taking a knee at the fifty-yard line for a post-game prayer. Violated the U.S. Constitution, according to the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. 
Okay. We're running out of time, so Basically, I won't read the rest of it. Yeah. But. So they're saying that him silently kneeling at the 50-yard line after the game uh, somehow is is in violation of the Establishment Clause. How that establish, How is that the government establishing religion it, 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 it is beyond me. I don't get it. Hey, what well, he what said. I, what I think is really <sighs> interesting is how the Establishment Clause over the years has been applied so broadly to almost anything remotely religious in the right. most in the most ludicrous connection with the civil. It's crazy. Hey, this is Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. It's back to school time, and as a parent, you are ready. It has been a long summer, and you can't wait to turn in your referee shirt and whistle. The kids bickering really wore you out. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. The Proverbs say, a brother is born for adversity. But all too often, siblings have twisted this to mean that they are supposed to cause the adversity, much to the frustration of many parents. Conflicts among children are common, but they can also be a healthy means for them to learn how to respond biblically. One of the most helpful resources on this subject is the Young Peacemaker, available through Peacemaker Ministries at peacemaker.net. It teaches young people to understand conflict and gives them the tools to work out their problems. To help your child learn to handle conflict, call Crosswalk Ministries at 515-635-5465 or online at crosswalkcounseling.org. Welcome back to Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Caffeine Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Myers and Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers and Associates, keeping your operations running. I have to, I have to say, that is just such a wonderful tune to use for for a bumper tune. You know, well, it brings you Isn't back that nice? to you know, yeah. It, that was it, great stuff. Chicago. Chicago Saturday in good. the park. I actually have. 1973. You'll be proud of me. I've got a, a, a rock um, playlist on Spotify, and I've got tons of Chicago in it. I am impressed. Yeah. I figured all the stuff you'd have in there well, was all this cowboyed out stuff from I now. Do ha- I, do have a, I do have a country playlist, but I have a rock playlist, which has a lot of groups in it. that you, mostly, A lot of it's actually mostly classic rock. Wow, you just came up a notch. Well, I wanted to better identify with you. And now, it's time for what used to be Ron Carlson's very favorite part of the show. And it still is. <laughs> it still is. We're about to share a story that is truly unbelievable, yet you know it must be true because... You can't make this stuff up! Chris just keeps getting slower, I think, every time we try this. All right. This is from the New York Times. He's always asleep when I cue him. (laughs) Yeah. He's always asleep on the job. ESPN has removed an announcer from its broadcast of the University of Virginia's first football game next month because he has the same name as a Confederate general memorialized in statues that are being taken down across the country. 
The network announced late Tuesday that the announcer, Robert Lee, a part-time employee who calls about a dozen college football and basketball games a year for ESPN, would no longer participate in the broadcast of the September 2 game in Charlottesville, Virginia, which became the center of violent clashes this month during a white supremacist gathering. We need to add here that Mr. Lee is also Asian. Right. <laughs> just This is just too perfect. Just say White nationalists and neo-Nazis flooded into Charlottesville, marching through the University of Virginia campus with torches to protest the city's plan to remove a statue of the Confederacy's top general, Robert E. Lee. After the violence in Charlottesville, which left one person dead, ESPN executives and Mr. Lee decided that for his safety, I'll bet it was for his safety. Right. Are you kidding me? For his safety, it would be best to have him work on a different game that Saturday, a network spokesman said. We collectively made the decision with Robert to switch games as the tragic events in Charlottesville were unfolding, simply because of the coincidence of his name, ESPN said in a statement. In that moment, it felt right to all parties. It's a shame that this is even a topic of conversation, and we regret that who calls play-by-play for a football game has become an issue. Well, Ron said off the air, the the key point here, ESPN made this an issue. It wasn't an issue. ESPN made it an issue. Absolutely. Because they're idiots. Uh, And ESPN (laughs) seems to care more about making political statements anymore than they do just about calling football games. and. A lot of us would appreciate if they just stuck to that. Wouldn't it be nice if ESPN was no longer political? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine such a thing? Anyway, this folks, this is one of those times when you just think to yourself, what planet do we live on? Absolutely insane. This guy just happens to be named Bobby Lee. He's an Asian sportscaster. But because of his name, he can't broadcast this game? I can tell he's a hater just from his name. You know that. Doggone it. He's a racist. (laughs) Send your you-can't-make-this-stuff-up ideas to story at caffeinatedthoughts.com and we'll give you the credit or the blame if we use your suggestion on the show. And probably the blame, more than likely. I will see you next week, Mr. Vanderheide. I'm excited about that. Hey, this is Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. Don't forget to check us out at caffeinatethoughts.com. See you next week, everybody. Take care.